You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrgs.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning, everybody. My name is Stefan, or Stefan, like the Hollanders say it. If it's your first time seeing me here, it's my first time. As you might know, we are busy with our mission month, and um, every week we have some interviews with our missionaries. Today we've got a nice video of um, our, some two of our missionaries that's out in Angola, Marijn and uh, Nurtia. So we'll watch the video, and um, afterwards we'll do a, a prayer for them. Hello, Crossroads. We are Marijn and Noortje Goud. We have two kids, Jura and Salome. They're, uh, they're off to bed now. Finally, finally get to this. We live in Angola, southwestern Africa, where we serve at MAF. Um, I serve as a pilot and a mechanic. And Noortje has been uh, teaching our kids. And our kids are just uh, finishing this year their elementary school. They will both start with long distance high school in the Dutch system. That's a big step for us. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge to them, I think, because they don't go to a new school. They don't get all this excitement of going to a different school. They just get to do more work. So that's something you can pray for, I think. On the side, we are also discipling a group of people for a while now. And uh, we've seen many beautiful victories that God has moved in incredible ways and showed that he's uh, stronger and bigger than the darkness. And um, But we've lately had some very challenging situations that we've really seen uh, people going back to their old lives. And yeah, in some ways it's been very painful actually, like like our body, like functioning as a body. It's, it's uh, going through pain, going through um, grief and um, and also learning it with God and His Holy Spirit. How can we help these people? How can we really show them the grace of God, forgiveness of God every time again, but also confront them with the truth, but because the truth will set them free. At the same time, I, I really praise God for His faithfulness through it all. And uh, yeah, even if it's, it's been very kind of on our minds and hearts heavily, um, yeah, you can pray for that. On the MEF side, we've had some amazing updates. A project we've been working on for a long time, which has been the runway in Kavangu. It's a place in the center of the country that we fly to once or twice a week. We used to fly to an airstrip 38 kilometers north of it. Doesn't seem to be that bad to transfer patients from a clinic to a hospital. Uh, but those 38 kilometers can take up to two hours in wet season and an hour and a half in dry season. Just awful. Uh, every sick people with broken bones and things and all sorts of issues that need to be operated on need to go in an ambulance on that road. And we started building an airstrip. Um, the dream started in 2007, 2014. We got some heavy equipment out and then we were shut down for various reasons. Uh, last year we were able to restart it again. Runway has been finished and just last week, 31st of May, we did the first landing on the airstrip and since then we've been using it and it's been absolutely amazing. What a blessing for those people that now take five minutes to get to the plane, to fly to the hospital, come back, missionaries, are not as isolated anymore. They can be visited easily. Um, it's a huge, huge blessing with so many people who have put all their time and effort and donors who put their money into it. Absolutely amazing. 
Yeah, and we really want to thank the Crossroads community as well for people that have been praying for this uh, runway. Uh, we've asked for prayer many years for this specific runway. And we really want to thank you and please celebrate with us uh, this big victory. All right, God bless and um, we hope to see you. Bye bye. All right, bye. Ciao. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So let's uh, pray for them um, together. Father, it's incredible to see a family giving up their lives to be in Angola, having an incredible ministry. First of all, Father, I want to pray for their family, that uh, the challenges that they might be going through and um, their children in schools and education and, yeah, I think there are so many challenges in Holy Spirit. We really ask you to guide them and protect them in the times that they are there that you would really be their leader. Father, I pray that you would create opportunities for them with this new runway and this aviation mission. It's incredible to be able to use this type of technology to spread your word and just seeing all those people sitting there waiting for your word. You are amazing. Create opportunities for them, Father, that they would grow in their mission. We pray for Angola and for more opportunities, more runways, so that your word can be spread. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, um, I have a confession to make this morning. Um, and then later on, I'll, I'll ask an, a, confession on, a confession from you as well. Um, but for now, my confession, I... I my story is similar to Paul's story with regards to public speaking. I've, 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 uh, uh, I was really afraid of um, speaking in front of people um, to such an extent that in school I had to beg my, my Afrikaans and English teacher to, to see me after school alone, just the two of us, where I can stand next to her by a table so I can do my speech. <laughs> I, I, there was just no way I would have done it in front of people. And so I grew and uh, grew up and I studied theology and, uh, yeah, sort of comes with a job at the end of the day. At least I know for certain that my one boy, I've got two boys, my one boy absolutely loves my preaching. The other day, and I love this story, this, uh, the other day I was uh, sitting them both down, I have a very important message to, to tell you two guys, and... Uh, my oldest was sitting on one side and the youngest on the other side, and I was just telling them the importance and explaining them to, to them the importance of being on time. You know, and we cannot always be running late, and I mean, it's everybody's screaming, and what's, it's just chaos. And the little one, he's, he's just listening to this, this speech, and in the, in the end, he just went... <laughs> Great preach. Great preaching, Father. So yeah, I don't know if he took anything in. Uh, the oldest one was just, he was just staring to the front. So I don't know, I, don't, I haven't gotten through to him as, as much yet. Today I want to ask you one thing to be brutally honest with yourself. Brutally, brutally honest. We tend to be able to just put some things aside and not worry too much. But today I really feel that God has presented us with an incredible, beautiful story about the, the jailer who got converted in the prison. But now, first, it's time for your confessions. It's not really a confession, it's more of a question. Who here 
by a show of hands, are extroverts by nature. Okay? Well, let's say, let's call it a third. I was actually surprised that there wasn't going to be a dance with that, but okay. <laughs> so every time we come to the front here and we say, turn to the person next to you and say hello and just greet them. I want to just, just shine some light on the introverts for a moment here. That 30 seconds is probably the worst 30 seconds that they wait for when it comes to a Sunday morning. Oh, here we go again. I mean, I, do I have to do this? And every week they have to get out of their comfort zone. And I mean, the extroverts, they are usually the person that um, Paul at the end have to say, listen, okay, thank you, thank you, let's start the sermon. Because they are just going about telling all their secrets and getting out and, and, and out, out and about. But the introverts are the ones listening and just saying, yes, yes, yeah, thank you. So today, I want you to step out in your comfort zone. And really be honest, because I do believe that we as humans and where we currently at in this, on this earth is, is driving us to a very difficult place. And we'll get into this now. But I want to ask you a few questions that you keep in mind going through this. Are you held imprisoned by your own thoughts about Jesus and who Jesus is? Do you find it difficult to buy into the story of Jesus? Do you think that it's a fairy tale? I've heard this a few times in the Netherlands. Do you think this is a fairy tale? Do you think it seems silly to give your life to Jesus? Do you think you might commit intellectual suicide if you give your life to Jesus? And what does it take for you to become a true follower? Now, we are looking at the jailer and the passage from Acts 16.25 will come up now. It will be the full passage. Well, at least I see some of it. But I'll take you through this story, um, and uh, we'll work through it this morning. And it's such a beautiful story. But I just want to shine some light on a few facts. First being that this... So we know that Paul now went into Europe, and uh, Lydia was the first person to get converted in Europe. And they moved along, and uh, they met a lady that was um, a slave girl who had the spirit of divination. And um, they, they told the demon to go. Went. Now her customers or her people that were looking after her were out of pocket. And they went, and they moaned about this at the police. They got Paul, Paul and Silas, and they threw them in the prison. Now, this is where the story starts. And I want you to just for a minute, just imagine what these jails look like. So they were thrown down deep in the middle of the dungeon where it was dark and cold, no showers, no human rights, nothing. They were shackled to the, to the ground with their feet. and um, Yeah, so just see this playing off um, as we go through the story. Now, it was midnight, and Paul and Silas, they were singing. And while they were singing mid in the midnight, the prisoners were listening. And all of a sudden, there was a great big earthquake. I'm not reading, I'm just narrating. There was a great um, earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and everybody's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoners has escaped. 
But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all still here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with, with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. And your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house, set food before them, and he rejoiced along with the entire household that he had believed in God. We'll go on with the rest a bit later. Now, I just want to point out a few things about um, this situation and this story, and we'll go into depth now, and I've rushed through it now for specific reasons. <laughs> I don't want you to see the answer before we get to it. Um, but really... Who was this jailer? There's not a lot of information about the jailer, which already made me think, so for who is this story, really? So the jailer, so according to scholars, they do believe that this type of work in the prison was typically for a, a veteran um, you know, Roman soldier that was high up in ranks, who knew how to fight, how to protect himself and handle prisoners. Now, just to be clear, that prisoners in these types of settings, in, in these types of um, prisons, were really handled very badly. So the first time I read the story, I was, I was thinking, my word, I, I think he was you know, going to kill himself because out of fear of what these prisoners might do to them because they are you know, always punishing them in some way. No, that's not the reason. Now, the second thing is, please keep in mind that this was the second uh, conversion in Europe as they went into Europe now, there were no human rights. I just want to go back to that. There were no human rights for these prisoners. Earthquakes were quite common. We know this now in, in this area. But not earthquakes that specifically targeted shackles and door locks to open up spontaneously. That's a type of earthquake we haven't seen after this. But that was very common. But something was building up, as you can see. What happened to jailers if prisoners escaped. This was quite a big thing. Now, apparently, back in the day, if you were a jailer and you, your job was to look after prisoners and they somehow escaped, you would be dishonorably discharged, number one, which is a, for a Roman soldier with a lot of pride and you know, being an important man, an extremely bad thing to happen. It's all public. Or you would just be executed, <laughs> which is one of the two. So, what's interesting here is we see in the story, once he got converted, or he was ready to be converted, he took them out of jail, knowing the consequences. He was in such dire need of something bigger. He took them out of, of the jail to ask them this important question before he fell on his knees, trembling, what do I need to do to be saved? What an incredible moment, and we'll get back to that now. He washed their wounds, he fed them, he ate with them. Just put yourself for one second in his shoes. Who among us here, and I don't think we should um, stick our hands with this one, but who among us here will go to prison now, get a guy, a guy there, you know, let's go, let's go eat. My children, everybody's there, let's have a nice dinner. I'll, I'll tell you about my family. We won't do it. But this guy 
He saw something about the gospel. He heard something about the gospel. Obviously, he must have heard them singing the whole night. The question I want to ask here is, why do we read so many times in the Bible of these big moments coming up about conver um, con conversion and people turned into Christ? We've got this jailer who would have died or who would have been dishonorably discharged. We saw this, the, thief, the thief on the cross that seeked salvation for him. That was his ultimate moment. Paul, we had to become blind and not see to shock him into something. A man to be paralyzed. In Mark 5, we see a man that was demonized. John 8, a woman who was caught in the idolatry. The prodigal son who lost everything. Now, we're already seeing something about people reaching this ultimate point in their lives alone and then having to come down. And there's a specific thing that's keeping us there and not being able to depend on God, not being able to go to God. And we'll get back to the jailer now. I want to just take us out of it for one second, and I want to share you something about my own life. Um, so I studied theology. I was in church for um, um, about 10 years. And then I had my own business for a, a, a few years. And uh, we bought a, a, a company, which was an old, you know, well-established company. It had some issues like any company. And... Um, yeah, COVID came. <laughs> now, look, I mean, we, since we've been in the Netherlands, it's been quite interesting to see how business people work here because it just seems like money is everywhere. In South Africa, this is not the case. Money is nowhere and you have to go find it. So we, we, the business was doing quite well and we had a, quite a big overdraft of uh, just under a million on our uh, bank account, which we were not in. And the 750, well, let's call it 750,000 rand is about 20 euros, but it doesn't matter. For us, it was a lot of money. So by the end of COVID, the hard lockdown, we were not able to retail. I was in retail. I had 65 rand in my account. The entire overdraft used up. Sorry. I don't know why I'll get emotional about it now, but I mean, it's been years. But, yeah, I couldn't sleep. I was talking with my wife, obviously the whole time through. And my wife is very calm around things like this. And I just said, well, it's over. We have to liquidate. And I went to see lawyers, and um, yeah, it was a very... A dodgy lawyer telling me to go immediately to the showroom, get everything you can, take everything to your house. Just look, I mean, it's lockdown. I, I, I really cannot um, get out of my house, first of all. But other than that, um, I got back home and um, my wife said, You won't believe what just happened. My sister just phoned and she said she had a dream last night saying, Don't sell, don't liquidate. I said, Okay. This is a moment I'll just hand over. I was trying to really save this business from myself. I was doing everything possible to save this business from myself. What can I do? How can I get money in? And my only prayer in the evenings were, Father, send a miracle. Send money. 
just do this, just do this. I was asking, waiting for receiving, receiving. And this one evening with my children, we were praying. And I sat and I just realized, there's nothing I can do. And I started praying differently. I said, Father, create opportunities for me to work. Create opportunities so that I can go look for work. Don't give it to me. I want to work for this. We had a record two years after that. In that moment, we had, I had to reach for us to get that business up there again was I had to let go of my pride. This is our mortal sin. This is what's keeping us from not being able to depend on Father. Not being able to hand over. I want to show you this verse, Matthew 18, verse 3. This is a very important verse, and uh, for me, it really just hit home. Is it on? Yes. Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children... You will never enter the kingdom of God. I just want to, before I go into how shocking that scripture is, I want to just give you Mark uh, 10, 15. Truly I say to you, might come up. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now Jesus gave this statement, and we'll get back to the jailer now, but Jesus gave this statement, which is an extremely shocking statement in this time, because children had zero status. They were really nobody. And people were like, wait, 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 you, yeah, I mean, people were looking up to the Pharisees. Now, we know that Jesus had a big problem with the Pharisees. He was talking really, really scary stuff about them and what should happen to them. You should go read it. It's, it's really scary stuff. He really had a problem with them because they had this pride in them, not being able to see the true Jesus. The difference between the two is children receive. If I pick out here a 50-euro note now and I call one of the children to the front, they will climb over you to get to it. Whatever. We were recently in, uh, in Paris at Disney. And uh, my oldest son is he's nine years old now. And he went with me on one of the scariest roller coasters at Disney. It's all dark and loopity loops and all types of things. And as we were standing in line, people were screaming and you know the build-up is quite scary and I, we just got to the front and, and I just told him, look, it's, I mean, it's, I, it's safe. Uh, for some reason, I haven't seen that it's safe the, the last few weeks, but it's safe. We'll be fine. And he trusted me and he got on that thing and he just went with it as a nine-year-old boy. And I just at the end realized I was so proud of him. He just took it and he just leaned into that. No pride. He trusted me because I told him, it's fine. We'll be fine. It's safe. And that trust and that belief in me, he was able to receive one of the best experiences of his life. And this is something that we do miss. I'm not sure if anybody here, probably, probably a lot of people know this, but Jesus on his last evening before he was taken um, to prison, he slept in the Garden of Gethsemane. We know this. Outside of the walls of Jerusalem, in front of the gates going into the city. The people that were surrounded by him 
were really homeless people, nobodies, people with nothing, sicknesses. He chose to sleep amidst them. I mean, if it was me, I would have booked in myself in a five-star hotel. Look, I mean, tomorrow's going to be the worst day of my life, so I might as well just you know, pamper myself and sleep quite comfortable, and they can come and get me here. But Jesus chose something incredible here, showing us that to depend on God is not a weakness. To have that pride in you takes you away from great experiences. And we see this now. There's a new religion that has uh, popped up recently, and it's quite a big religion. Uh, it's the fastest growing religion. It's the religion of oneself. Do you know this? The religion of oneself. It's all about me. Do you know how many selfies are taken every day? Selfies? You know what a selfie is? I mean, I, I, you see this quite often, no? 93 million selfies are taken each day. Every day. And then you'll go to some sort of a platform and you'll... You'll put it on there, you know, whatever side of your face is the best and whatever brings out the dimple. And then you'll go back every now and then. How many likes did I get? What are people saying about me? Now, even though you might think that this is not for your generation, it is overflowing into our generation. And Paul anticipated this. He anticipated this. If we look in... Um, all right, let me just... Let me just finish that story. We are being influenced by so many things in the world currently that Christianity is silly. Look after yourself. That's what we are said. Make sure you're all right. Let people worship you. Now pride for the jailer, if we get back to the jailer now, He had to reach this moment where his pride would have been stripped. Now, the ultimate fear for this person was to be dishonorably discharged. His entire identity, his pride, would have been broken. And he was in such a state about it that he was on the verge of killing himself. My word, that's pride. And he went over and he went on his knees. A broken man. I just want to point out that we tend to think that humility and dependence is a weakness. It is not. One of the most difficult things for a human, as we know, is to ask for help. We cannot do it. It is so impossible for us because pride and humility counterparts. They cannot work together. Romans 11.25. I just want to show you this. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers, a partial hardening has come upon Israel. I believe, and I see it everywhere I walk, 
that there's a hardening happening in this world. And I'm, I want to talk to everybody here, whether you're a new Christian, whether you're an, an old Christian, whether you're a medium Christian, everybody has some sort of pride in them. What's keeping you back? What's keeping you back taking that step, breaking that knee, getting on your knees, and just letting it go? I, I, want to, I just want to say that I think for a lot of people, it always has to go to this moment that you either lose something, your wife, your husband, whatever. I believe it's not necessary. I do not believe that we have to always build this pride in our lives for us to reach this massive breaking point and then ask for help and then ask, how can I be saved? Father, how can I then be saved? The jailer shows us that it's not necessary. For him it was. Because we see the pride in him that had to be broken. I'm finishing up, don't worry. <laughs> Romans 12, 2. Here we have to realize something about ourselves. Do not be conformed to this world which is currently happening, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He's calling us, he's inviting us to taste his word, to taste him, be involved with him. He's inviting us to do it. That's the only way you'll find out. We are desensitized. What we are learning from the jailer here is to be open, to listen, and to take the step. The only way for you to break any pride in your life, any sin that's holding you back, is to take the step and search for it. I want to end with the last part of, of Acts now, Paul was, uh, I think, I, I, would, I would have been afraid of Paul. You know, he, he, he's very intimidating for me. I think he, uh, he's one of those guys that if he comes into the room, you walk the other side, you know, and you just get out of there because he is going to ask you something that you cannot answer. So, and, and he shows this to us with the jailer. So at the end, I'll take you through this. Um, the police came to the jailer and said, look, it's fine, you can let them go. It's all right. Don't worry, um, it's all good, you can let them go. Um, and Paul is like, whoa, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. After they hit us and after they, you know, sort of uh, you, 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 humiliated us and hurt us and shackled us to the ground, they want to release us in secret? No, 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 no. This shall not happen today. <laughs> Paul is like, they will come to us. And they will apologize. And he's tackling them right on, head on, on their pride. Paul had a big problem with pride. Why? Because he was the one example of pride, a proud life. A person that showed nothing but pride. He saw the symptoms and he broke it down. And I see the symptoms in all of our lives. And this is where the major confession comes today. We all have it. I have it. You have it. But we need to take the step and say, 
I cannot do this anymore. I need help. I want to invite you today to take that step. Don't worry, I'm not going to call you to the front. Extroverts, you can relax. But I want to invite you to take the step on a personal level. Reach out to someone, reach out to us, reach out to anybody. In any circumstance of your life, pride is not supposed to be there. And we see this in Proverbs, my last, last verse, I promise, let me out of here. Pride goes before destruction and the haughty spirit before a fall. The bigger the pride, the harder the fall. You don't have to get there to break down. Do it now. Do it today. Don't let pride take over your, your own life. Seek humility. As we now see in Jesus' life, that it's the greatest strength of all. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.